you know, it's kind of funny that someone named Ichigo makes a manga called Orange. <laughs> Shaking my head at you, hell. I know. <laughs> I can tell. You never like any of my jokes. <laughs> he doesn't. They're all the uh, bag kind of good. Did you know that the part of your brain you normally spend thinking about sex, asexuals instead devote to thinking of bad puns? It's true. <laughs> It's a fact. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, goodness. everybody welcome back to uh, manga in your ears um we've been gone for a little bit but we're back um the music you just heard was the opening for the silver spoon anime uh which is the second series that we're going to talk about today um so i have Corey and helen uh with me here today as usual i'm surviving school guys and i'm sorry that we've been delaying the podcast partially because of me (laughs) Uh, yeah, I also moved to California, which uh, was a hindrance to like being able to do anything. <laughs> yeah, Corey was like, you two can record a podcast by yourself. And I'm like, mm, I'm just going to wait till everyone else is done. Give myself more time. <laughs> <laughs> but we're back. Yes, we, we are back. Um, and like usual, we have uh, two series to talk about this week. Um, like I said, the second one is Silver Spoon. But to start us off, um, our completed series for this week is Orange. Um, I think that Orange is a pretty popular series in general. Um, it has a manga adaptation, um, an anime adaptation, a live action movie, and maybe one more that I'm forgetting. Um, but it is written and illustrated by Ichigo Takano. Um, it is put out by Seven Seas, and it's actually available on Crunchyroll as well, the manga. Um, wow. Basically, yeah, for now. For now. <laughs> we never know how long things are going to be there. But as of, I guess, today, Corey was able to read that on Crunchyroll. So as of today, it's still there. <laughs> it's got uh, six volumes total, although the sixth is a separate epilogue, which I don't think we're going to touch on today. Um, but Orange is essentially um, a slice of life series about a group of high school friends. Um, the main character is a younger girl named Naho. Um, and she has sort of the, the basic, um, uh, group of longtime friends. Um, and then, um, there's the transfer student, uh, named Takiru. Um, he transfers in and they all kind of become friends. Um, but right at the beginning of the series, Nahu gets a letter from presumably her future self, um, that says that Takiru, uh, is no longer with them at some point in the future. Um, and the letter sort of urges her to save him sort of by changing her actions in the present so that he can be um, alive in the future. Um, so the five original volumes sort of follow her trying to live her high school years differently so that she can save him. Um, that's the basic um, gist of the story. Um, like I said, it's gotten pretty popular. I think it does the slice of life thing very well. Um, and, and, uh, hits on the emotional points pretty well. Um, one of the things 
that Helen has pointed out that I should mention here in the beginning, um, and, that's, and that's pretty obvious from the beginning, um, is that it's heavy, heavily hinted that uh, Kakeru dies from suicide. So if that's not your thing, you're going to want to skip it. Um, it's a pretty major plot point. Um, but what did you all think of this? Like I said, it's pretty popular, but I'm curious to see what other people think. Yeah, it was definitely popular. I, I seem to recall that this made like one of the bestseller lists of the year um, when it came out, the two omnibuses that Seven Seas put out. Uh, I'm a bad fan because I never actually saw the anime. I was too busy. But I do like the manga. Um, I, I've been holding off on reading the ending just since I, I just don't know if the series is going to have a happy ending or not. Since mm. even early on, you can tell that the characters are trying to approach, approach this very cautiously. Like... Um, the story um, flips back and forth between the current time and then 10 years in the future where Naho and her friends have actually gathered on like the 10th anniversary of Kakaru's death. And that's when you start getting hints. Oh, this might've been suicide after all. And just, it's like, I like this, but Oh my God, it is pulling at my heartstrings and it knows it's doing it. And just, Uh. I want all these characters to be happy, but I'm told they are probably not going to be happy. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the opposite of what everyone else presumably did. Uh, I've seen the anime, but I did not get around to reading all of the manga. I read two whole chapters. Uh, <laughs> but from from what I remember of the anime, it did end amicably. Like, there wasn't uh, a rehashing of the same events that they're trying to mistake, I believe. Uh, they, they're also splicing in these visions, not visions, but, uh, scenes from the future where, uh, it is ten years in the future and, uh, the main, the main girl, um, Naho and I think Suwa have a kid together and, like, all the other friends are getting back together to, uh, commemorate Kakaru at some point. Um, so, like, throughout the manga and the anime, they're doing these, uh, flash-forwards to ten years in the future where, uh, everyone is sort of re-mourning Kakaru's death, which is not, like, the most pleasant thing, but, uh, it works in a thematic sense. Uh, yeah, and to be clear, want? Naho's oh. not having, like, visions or anything of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just... Uh, the, the way I read it was that these are kind of alternate continuities at this point where right. somehow they've managed to magically get letters back into the past. Like, mm-hmm. just don't question that part, just roll with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think they try to provide a little bit of science for that, but mm, I don't know how well that science holds up in real life. Um, I don't think that I understood that there were that there were essentially two separate timelines until a little bit later in the series. It, at first, I thought they were just sort of... Uh, sending it directly back, but it seems like there are two uh, two separate timelines, and only one of those is going to change. So there's a little bit of science piece in in the very beginning, but uh, you just kind of have to roll with that part of it. Yeah, since like I said, I haven't read the whole series, so if any more science pops up later, like nah. uh, the su- mm. omnibus second omnibus onwards, then I'm not speaking correctly. But I'm just like I'm fairly familiar with like the various kinds of time travel series, and I was like, I don't think this is a time travel series. I think this is an alternate world line series. Yeah, yeah. I think they threw the science in there just to kind of mm, beef it up a little bit, but it's not. It comes up maybe <laughs> once or twice and doesn't come up again. So. Yeah, the whole thing is just so unlikely that you could get letters from your future <laughs> self that mm, no amount of science is going to change that. So <laughs> that's not the focus on that. <laughs> it seems more like uh, they added stuff in there to be sort of satisfactory to uh, science nerds rather than 
try and adequately explain how this is happening. Mm. Well, one of the other things that stood out to me, too, and I think it's a, a large part of the story, is uh, Kakeru's depression and how Naho handles it and how his other friends interact with him, uh, with him being depressed. I thought that that was interesting, but I don't know how much experience you all have with things like that. Um, I thought it was interesting that they would still try to include him. Um, I felt like there wasn't a ton of like, you should just feel better. Um, it, it sort of felt like they at least validated his feel, his feelings and sort of tried to include him or at least tried to understand how he felt. Um, so I liked that piece of it too, but I didn't know if you all could relate to that at all or if you all thought that was interesting. Yeah. I felt like Kakeru's um, depression felt very understandable. Since not only is he just moved, but his mother actually dies on the first day of school. I think they said that she committed suicide. But I, either way, you know, it's been a very hard just like first two weeks of school for him beyond everything else. So you can definitely see that the characters are trying to be careful around him. Like, you know, oh, let's not scare off the new guy. Let's, you know, make him part of our friend group and not show him how weird we are until a little later. <laughs> yeah, but also, they, they, see, they seem like genuinely good friends. Like, people who are yeah. like, I, I know you're saying you don't want to join the soccer team though i know you actually want to join, join the soccer team so i'm just gonna badger you until you do yeah I, I know that when i was trying to help with my friends in high school deal with just the stuff going on in our lives i was probably not nearly that clear-minded mm. <laughs> although i had more friends with adhd in high school than depression i think high school is just hard anyway so <laughs> yeah by itself yeah it's already it's already difficult there's a pretty there's a scene i think it's closer to the end um i think we're flashes back to maybe some of his friends in in middle school maybe when he was playing soccer he it shows him kind of like debating telling them how he feels or that he's depressed or that he wants to die or whatever and he sort of like says that you know that he doesn't want to be alive or he wants to die or whatever and his friends kind of like laugh like oh that's don't don't say that like that's silly don't say that we don't want you to go anywhere he kind of like shuts down and says and and to himself and is like kind of I, you know, I shouldn't have said that, or they don't understand, and all of that. And I, th- I thought that that was realistic. I, I assume his friends were sort of trying to help, like, oh no, we don't want you to go anywhere. Um, but I've definitely seen where that can, that sort of like, it feels more like a deflection, so it causes people to shut down. And I thought that was just an interesting piece, and that's towards the end. Um, but I thought that that was a, uh, a pretty good representation of that too. Yeah, and um, his mother isn't alive for the story, as I mentioned earlier. But I got the impression that Shin Kakeru had a bit of a not tumultuous relationship, but a bit of a strained relationship as well. So it kind of seems like Kakeru has been in a bad mental place since even before Naho and the rest of the cast meet him. So that it's not like he's deteriorating in front of their eyes or anything like that. But they're realizing, oh, hey, we just met you and this seems to be your personality. But it seems like something else might be wrong anyway. Mm. And he does have like several moments where he's willing to uh, give up some of his, not give up necessarily, but talk about some of the the things that he's going through, but there are also like, usually right after those moments he just apologizes and is like, oh, sorry, uh, I shouldn't have said all that, just forget it. Mm, that, that's a good point, too. Yeah, he does that pretty regularly throughout the series, or I shouldn't have burdened you with this, or etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, yeah. And I th- I think his friends spend the majority of the time trying to convince him that he's not a burden, not to necessarily make him feel better, but that's because that's how they genuinely feel. Like Helen said, because they're good friends. 
They're good so. friends who are emotionally stable enough places themselves that they can handle helping somebody with depression. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's the important piece. Um, yeah, that's the important piece. I think that's what made Orange stand out to me is that, it, yeah, they were emotionally stable enough to help him, which he in high school, you I would assume you're pretty lucky if you've got four or five friends that are that are all emotionally stable and able to help you with your problems. Even as adults, that's kind of hard to come by. Um, so I, I think that 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 makes the series um, stand out. And as far as his mother, um, it that relationship sort of is explained a little later towards the end, but it it's still it, it's it's still a difficult one even after the explanation comes. Out. It's even a little sad. It, it's not really anybody's fault. Um, the tensions within that relationship, but it's not explained until way later in the series. Yeah, and one pres- impression I got was that um, Kakiru has been kind of dealing with all of this on his own for so long that that's why he notices almost immediately that Naho is saying things like, oh, yeah, I don't care, you know, just get me whatever you want, you know, from the juice vending machine or the bread store. But Kakiru is like, no, actually, you do want something, you know, don't keep putting mm-hmm. yourself in front of others. I feel like in some ways that's him trying to reach out, you know, thinking, you know, maybe she'll notice the same about me. And Naho does respond to it quite a bit. She's like, oh, this is the first time someone's kind of understood me in that way. And so she starts falling for Kakeru pretty early on in the story. Yeah, they kind of have to convince each other that uh, they are also worth something to themselves. uh, Because Naho is is perceived or portrayed as this character that wants to... um, sacrifice her wants for everybody else's wants because like the there's the little thing like in the in the first chapter where she's saying oh i really want the curry uh the curry bun but uh everyone else probably also wants a curry bun so i'll just say i'll get you whatever and that's fine mm. but it doesn't have to be fine though <laughs> <laughs> things are not always fine no they are not that's that's a good point i actually hadn't thought about that that the, the inclusion of that scene towards the beginning uh, probably said a lot about her character throughout the series. I had not thought about that at all. Um, so that's that's a good point too. And then it makes their their relationship or their romance feel that more that much more organic as they get to know each other and um, help each other find the worth within themselves. It makes it feel um, more realistic instead of them just meeting each other and having googly eyes. That's also somewhat realistic but in this case it just feels a little more like they've gotten to know each other and come to really like each other and the um, letter that Naho gets from her future self is almost more like a diary since it's really detailed about the things that happened each day or all the important things that happened and things she regrets she wants Naho to do instead and some of them aren't related to Kakiru like there's one oh I didn't you know help out my class softball team and I really regret not helping out Um, you should do that instead and some of them are related to Kakeru. Um, but I thought the story did a good job of showing that even though Naho knows, oh, I should really try to do this thing instead, you know, otherwise I'm going to regret it, that it's still really hard to act on some of those impulses, like giving Kakeru a box to lunch. And I was also thinking that it kind of shows that, you know, we have 26, almost 27-year-old Naho who can look back at the past and see what she should do. But 16-year-old Naho is still a 16-year-old. She's still living with it. She's still got all those emotions that might make her more embarrassed or more shy. So I felt like the story did a good job at balancing those two aspects out, where Naho really wants to do things, but she's still 16. It's hard to do things when you're 16. Your Mm -hmm. mind is just kind of a mess at 16. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, she says uh, a couple times, I think. Like, she, she, she knows, like, she has to do this, but she doesn't have the courage to do those those things. It's like, you can tell me to do something, and you can say it'll be really good for me, but you can't change the person that doesn't want to do that. Or even some of the things she, she wants to do would have um, repercussions elsewhere. Since, mm. like, um, Kakiru starts going out with somebody very early on, briefly, and Naho kind of wants, you know, him to not go out for him. She wants to keep talking to Kakeru, but that's going to hurt that relationship. So it's, she's got to learn to be selfish in more than one way. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, too, um, about her having to learn how to be selfish. And then another one of the major characters that I would want to touch on before we before we leave this this piece is Sua. So I thought he was interesting in that. So he's I guess if you had to look at this as a as a romantic triangle, he's obviously the other the other blonde mm-hmm. character but um he so uh, one of you all touched on before the fact that in the original future naho and sua wind up married so it's interesting that obviously at some point they all find out about the letters and it's and it's interesting that he that he knows that that's going to drastically change his future um and the happiness in his life and yet he still chooses to uh try to do what's best for the group or the best for Kakeru or whatever. I thought that he was an interesting character. I felt like he could have easily just been like the uh, the extra love interest, but it it I thought he was a good character for that. He is a quality extra love interest in this show too. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's also some of the other tension for the reader, seeing the future being like, oh no, if Kakeru, you know, is able to come out of his depression and doesn't die, he and Naho are probably gonna end up dating. So what happens to Sua do? Naho and Kakeru break up eventually, and she gets together with Sua, or does she go out with Sua anyway? It's like, oh no, this love triangle is just definitely not going to end well. <laughs> well it's not gonna I think this is the most long invested long. I've ever been in a love triangle, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> also, one of the few times when I would not say no T3 would solve it, because I don't think that Sua and Kakeru swing that way, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I guess if we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. I think the last question I would have for you all, or maybe for each of us, is if you could, if you were able to send letters to yourself in the past, would you do it? I would probably tell myself, "You have anxiety and depression. You should just get going on this now because it's gonna be so much nicer." <laughs> no, seriously, because I didn't learn about it until like almost ten years after high school. <laughs> no, I told that. Yeah, you would have explained so much, really. Indeed. <laughs> Also, I would have told myself, you're not straight, you're not gay. Yes, this is possible. Just stop worrying about it. Save yourself the time. What about you, Corey? Uh, I think past me is too angsty to listen to future me. So. Well, I never said the past me would listen to future me, because yeah. that would definitely also yeah. <laughs> I was definitely a mad little high schooler. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I'd try, okay. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where I'm at. I would try, but I just... It's easy to say that from late 20s and such and think oh yeah if i could if i could um send a letter back i would say all this but it's similar to what we saw in orange it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to listen to it or you may want to listen to it and just not be the person that can implement those things so yeah i would definitely try um but whether or not it would be successful is is another thing but yeah i guess um if we don't have anything else i don't know if people have final thoughts or if you would recommend this series i'm just gonna toss it out there to wrap it up i would probably also need to Warn my high school self that I was about to become a giant weeaboo. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> but yeah, I would definitely recommend the series. Um, it's a good shoujo drama. We never get as many shoujo um, 
anime adaptations or even as many manga brought over to the U.S. compared to, like, shonen series. And I feel like this is a really nicely done one. It doesn't feel too cliched. It feels genuinely engaging and has some sort of mysteries inherently because of its premise with the time-traveling letters. I feel like it's a really good read. Although I'm a little worried to read that epilogue volume since I saw some reviews online that said, ow, my feels, and I was like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Not the feels. No, I agree with I agree with you, Helen. Uh, I was excited to get into the manga after having watched the anime. Uh, I just didn't have time between moving and organizing all of my things now. But yeah, I, this is definitely something that I want to read in full and dedicate time to that. Yeah, um, I would definitely recommend it with everybody else. And it also helps that um, the series is out, the, the main series is out in two large omnibuses, so you can just get the two um, the two main chunks, and then there's the one epilogue volume, so you can pretty much knock it out in three. So it sort of feels like a quick read, and it reads pretty quick if you're going to, you know, blow through the whole thing. Um, so I would... I would definitely, um, I would definitely recommend it. This is a good one. It's um, short, but it's a it's a decent story. But with that being said, we are going to take a quick break, um, and then we will be back to discuss Silver Spoon. Welcome back, everyone. And for our second title in this podcast, that sounds like it's about food manga, but it's actually not. We have Silver Spoon by Hiromu Arakawa, who's previously done a couple other works, um, and the best known of those is obviously Full Metal Alchemist. This series has absolutely zero in common to Full Metal Alchemist, however. Did you guys know that Arakawa grew up on a dairy farm in Hokkaido? I did know that. That's why she draw- draws herself as a cow. Exactly. That's why she always draws herself as a cow. <laughs> So she's gone. She's drawing a bit on her own life um, with Silver Spoon, which is set at an agricultural high school in Hokkaido, where we have one city slicker, Yugo Hachiken, who has enrolled in Oezo Agricultural High School. And he is essentially the only one amongst all of his classmates who doesn't already come from some sort of farming background. Most of the other kids have families which have farms in some degree or already know oh, I want to go into cheese making, so I really want to study dairy production so I can make really great cheese and stuff like that. But Hachikun has already burned out on life. He just had a very rough middle school career and wanted to go basically to any school that had a dorm. (laughs) And so now he's gotten his wish. He's at a school with a dorm and 5 a.m. wake-up calls so he can go do farmyard chores. So um, Hachikun 4 a.m. (laughs) <laughs> it's 4 a.m. once he joins the club, so um, Hachikun is regretting his life choices, but <laughs> he definitely seems like he's going to stick it out since there's really nothing left for him back in Sapporo. He's not very close to his parents. Obviously, he would have to, you know, apply if he wanted to transfer schools. So he's just got to tough it out with uh, way more biology than he seemed to think he was getting. Like, there's an extended sequence. I, it felt even longer in the anime where Hachikun learns exactly where eggs come from for chickens. <laughs> That is, like, my favorite part in this first volume. It is hilarious. <laughs> I, I think my comment on there was, clearly Hachikin does not have a uterus, or he would not be surprised by any of this. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. 
Although, I don't know, I did have to explain to my grandmother recently how her own chickens were laying eggs, so you never know. But, um, but yeah, um, I, uh, the anime for this series came out uh, more than a couple years ago now. And Yen Press... 2013? Yeah, so more than a couple years ago, it was a split series. It was licensed by Aniplex, which means we got overly expensive DVD releases with no Blu-rays. So everyone had been holding out hope that someone would license the manga instead. And Yen Press did, which... Um, this is, correct me if I'm wrong, this is a Suecia title, so the way this means, what this means is that Viz must have actively passed on it for Yen Press to license it. But I'm very glad they did, because I really enjoyed the anime for this series. I found um, a lot of the characters really relatable. So this is a different kind of high school drama than you usually get, since a lot of it is very much about the inter, not interpersonal, but just the inner self-conflicts of Hachiken trying to figure out what he wants to do with life, you know, what's motivating him. And seeing someone come out of what was a bad burnout, and I think we could honestly call it depression as well, since, I mean, I mean, look at Hachiken. His middle school years were so bad, he started wearing glasses in high school. I don't think I ever noticed that. <laughs> That's a good thing, too, because his face looks really mean without glasses. So. <laughs> but yeah, so this is a very realistic, down-to-earth series. Nothing like Full Metal Alchemist, nothing like the heroic legend of Arslan or any other series that Arbakawa has been involved with. And I feel like this series really has an equal place in my heart alongside of Full Metal Alchemist. I don't think I love one or the other um, more at this point. Um, what about you guys? Since I don't even need to ask you guys saw Full Metal Alchemist or anything. So um, how does this hold up for you? Um, is this your favorite Arakawa series, you think? Or... Eh? it's my favorite but I, I mean I like it a lot I think I've mentioned before um, on some of the other episodes that it takes a lot to make me laugh when I read a manga and it's just this was her comedic timing at least in this particular first volume it's, it's really good <laughs> the thing with the eggs there's even the thing in the beginning with the, the calf that tries to, just tries to chew his shirt and he they need to catch it or something like that and he chases it around and the other guy's like, well, if he just had a pail, the, the, the calf wouldn't go anywhere. It was just stuff like that throughout the first volume um, that I thought was really funny. And then sort of uh, in the middle, you start bumping into those conflicts of him uh, not knowing exactly what he wants to do or the conflicts of like raising animals and then having to kill them and eat them or use them for food. Like things that I would make sense that would come up in this context, but I also wasn't expecting. Ex- expecting them and the way that they were handled um so I, I i really like this like i sort of skipped the anime when it came out i'm thinking a farm anime like that's not me um but uh, <laughs> <laughs> despite where i live um but uh it it's it's been really entertaining i'm i'm waiting on that second volume definitely and going back to that calf joke um there's even a point it might have been like a four panel gag after the chapter ended but where the calf is still like nuzzling on Hotchkin's shirt and then it just headbutts him right in the groin because oh, you guys are like yeah yeah you know it's you know the mother's milk isn't coming out you know the calf just you know butts it trying to get the uterine to get the udders going so there's a lot of kind of crude humor in this series um I actually do like Arakawa's comedic timing pretty well it never came across as well in the Full Metal Alchemist animes um but here there's just a lot of visual gags along those lines and honestly, it kind of makes sense that a whole bunch of teenagers locked up together in a school with wild, well, not wild, but farm animals around would have some odd senses of humor at times. Like that whole joke with the Holstein Club, which 
talks about wanting to breed the best cow, except they talk about the cow in words that we would not normally use for cows. <laughs> <laughs> the Holstein Club is certainly something. Uh, yeah, I, I really like... Uh, I really like Silver Spoon when I watch you guys the anime, and I have been waiting in eager anticipation since then for the manga, which only just came out, uh, you know, five years after the anime originally <laughs> came out. Um, but I, I think I'm with you, Helen, in that Full Metal Alchemist and Silver Spoon are pretty equal with me, but in terms of uh, my general taste, Silver Spoon jives more with it in its chill farm atmosphere. Uh, rather than chill, but also life and death atmosphere. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of life and death. They they do have a, a joke later on in the end of the manga, like one of the one of the things that's like here's an alternate thing that happened, and that's when Hachiken was chasing after the calf, except he just got lost and never came back. <laughs> he has like this giant beard. <laughs> So there's there's more of Arakawa's uh, comedy chops, um, and her her research. Uh, I, I don't know if it was like actual research of her reading through books and interviewing people and such, uh, because she was raised on a farm. But her attention to detail with the farm things seems to be accurate, uh, despite being from Iowa. I was. Uh, you know, raised. What you mean? City. You don't live on a farm in Iowa? No. <laughs> the, the closest I got to a farm is driving on the freeway, where you actually do drive by several farms. Corn, corn everywhere. Yeah, there is a lot of corn. And if you go on like the side freeways too, that's not I eighty or I thirty five. It's there are often farm, like giant farm uh, machinery driving around on the side of the road. It's peak Iowa. Anyway. <laughs> There are also the, uh, towards the, towards the end, I think, there is a, there's some sort of, like, KFC statue in there, which I guess I had to appreciate just because of where I live. Um, but I have also not seen a farm. <laughs> so, and I don't live on one. But yeah, that was definitely, the, they definitely had that piece at the end, and then there's a note about some sort of, there's a, a in the, a yen press volume. There's a um, what do you call things? A, a note in the back um, about a superstition with the Colonel Sanders statue. Um, that was interesting. The curse of the Colonel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I live here and haven't heard anything like that. Um, well, it but, sounds like it's a Japanese curse. Um, oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. The curse yeah. of the Colonel refers to an urban legend that the KFC mascot placed a curse on the Hanshin Tigers baseball team after their fans threw a Colonel statue in a river while celebrating the team's winning the 1985 Japanese Championship Series. The team went on to have an 18-year losing streak. <laughs> that's so that's more Corey's knowledge than yours, honestly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little bit of a crossover there. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. My family actually does have a farm, but it's a very different kind of farm. Like currently, we're keeping it at a farm tax status by um, growing lots of Christmas trees. So I, um, okay, I've chased the goats a couple times, but we finally managed to box them in, so they stopped being goddamn escape artists. Finally, <laughs> and we've only lost one set of chickens. The second set of chickens is doing fine, as far as we know. So, <laughs> well, that's good. and well, and then there are at least I think they're towards the end. The pigs—they're so cute. I just thought they were super cute towards the end of that first volume. And then he he makes friends with a little runt pig. And I thought, oh, it's so cute. And I, I can't, I'm not going to be able to handle it if something happens to the little pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was watching the anime, um, 
back when it was airing, it reminded me of how my mom said we used to go to the county farm, well, not county farm, the county fair when we lived in Maryland. Mm-hmm. And one of her favorite um, events was the piglet racing. So they just stick a whole bunch of piglets down on a little racetrack and you'd watch them race around. And it made me think, oh, I should go back to one of those. That does sound fun. Yeah, it made piglets me are very happy. cute. Yes, they are. Yeah, they're at the they're at the fair too, and they're super cute. And they the 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 piglets in this volume looks like the ones I'd seen at the fair. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, at least they're accurate. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, do you guys have any closing thoughts on this? Since the series, I think as we've explained, has a lot of comedy and a lot of deeper tones in there. Since even in this first volume, like Hotchkin goes to a horse race at one point. It's mm-hmm. a different kind of horse race than you'd think. Um, called I think the Bon A. And it involves the horses actually um, pulling loaded sleds, not being ridden on horseback. And there's this casual mention at the end, oh, yeah, the horses that don't do so well, they're just slaughtered and sold for meat. And it's like, whoa, I don't think they do that. The horses here, I mean, like, my mom always told me that the um, racehorses around here, you know, they they go to pasture and they go to stud afterwards. You know, they they make lots of nice little horses. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that that was interesting. So obviously that's something that we have here. Um, as well, the horse racing and all of that. So it was interesting because I sort of assumed when they took him to the racetrack that I have been to. Um, but the the horse race was totally different than what I've seen as far as like the little obstacles in the middle. Uh, the Kentucky yeah, it Derby like, is like this was a, a local um, yeah, yeah, specialty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the Kentucky Derby is just two minutes of them running in a circle, so it's totally different. <laughs> um, it's but but that part of <laughs> that that part of it. Uh, was interesting and yeah the the part about the horses and and all of that i even like the part where they i don't think it was in the same part but they show him how to feed a horse how you hold your hand flat so they don't rip your fingers off <laughs> i've been in that situation too so <laughs> that's that's interesting yeah my family had horses at one point and my mom said she wanted to make sure i liked horses so she basically stuck me on a horse as young as i could <laughs> so i could be still riding them so i've never had that quite that fear i've been taught to respect that horses will think your fingers are carrots but I have to admit, Hachikens, like, utter fear of horses is very alien to me. They're kind of scary. They're like <laughs> giant four-legged beasts. I mean, like, once you get to learn to read their body language, they're fine. I mean, they're definitely less of a... They're definitely easier to handle than goats, let me put it that way. Uh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> uh, we haven't mentioned much of the supported guests. We we kind of barely mentioned Hachikens at that like, I don't know if we said his name yet, but... <laughs> I did say his name. Okay. Well, I feel like Hachiken's a little unlikable in this first volume. He yeah, felt yeah. more likable in the original bits of the anime. and he, But he gets fleshed out later on. You learn that, okay, yeah, Hachiken has no social skills, but at this point, he's actually interested in gaining some social skills. Yeah, uh, but the the real pull for me in this volume was a lot of the supporting cast, like Mikage, who is the horse rider that invites Hachiken to join the uh, horse club... There's a word for that. <laughs> Horseback riding club? The, it was the equestrian Equestrian, club. yeah. All right. Where they have the club advisor who looks like the Buddha. Yeah. Uh. And then Komaba, who, ta- who talked to uh, Hachiken about the chicken or no, Tokiwa, I think, talking about the chicken and Komaba is the baseball player. Mm. Um, so, of course, Corey would like the baseball player. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, re- I recall from the anime that he gets a, a cool little moment later on with how you can uh but it's really the supporting cast that is really making this manga more than just uh how you can wanders around a farm learning about farm stuff 
which was the same thing with with Full Metal Alchemist. It was never just about Agnal. It was also about all the people that they ran into along the way. around our mystery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you all think he's like unlikable? I th- I felt like he was a little more likable in the first fall. Fo- um, first couple episodes of the anime compared to uh-huh. this first volume of the manga because here uh-huh. he comes off really rough i felt like he came off less rough there but i do like hotchkin later don't worry yeah mm. he's not like unlikable to me i think he's more uh a little annoying and aloof. <laughs> uh, okay that's fair. he's a good high school boy well he's not a bad high school boy he's just <laughs> a good high school boy who's a bit angsty at the moment yeah, yeah okay that's fair. Like he he's been largely disillusioned by junior high, having studied his entire junior high life and gotten all of these good grades, but achieved nothing for it besides the good grades. So he doesn't really know why he was studying in the first place. He's got a lot to learn about life, then, doesn't yeah. he? <laughs> I was going to say he, got, he gets disillusioned a lot earlier than a lot of people get disillusioned, but yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Even Corey saying he got illusioned by junior high. I'm like, Woo boy, you're going to have a hard time. <laughs> Oh, and one last thing I was thinking of is that um, even though the series has a pretty big cast already, since you can pretty clearly see a lot of Hachikin's um, classmates and clubmates, everybody looks fairly distinct, and there's basically no crossover with designs from Full Metal Alchemist. It doesn't look like a couple characters just wandered from one series to the other, except there's like one teacher who looks like General Armstrong, but that's yep. it, basically. Mm-hmm. Everyone else looks pretty different, which is nice, since you always wonder when you get to series of large casts, oh, I wonder if the creator can keep designing new characters or not. And it's like, oh, okay, Arakawa can still make silly, basic faces. Yeah, and Arakawa had a huge cast in Full of Alchemist by the end of it. Yeah. Although, I wish... I, I think her name is Tamako. I wish that they would, like, leave her alone. <laughs> like, oh, she yeah. Sort of- a larger character, and I'm like, they can't like do anything else with her besides like make jokes about her weight. It just that just seems like what she's there for. I'm like, I wish they would leave yeah. her alone. But yeah. they're gonna make some more jokes about that as well. Um, I did like the back. Um, there was a background gag at one point where the characters are all trying to tie down a tarp over a greenhouse, and everyone's struggling, but she's the one that just goes flying off in the wind. They're like, wait, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, they they do continue to make more jokes about her weight at points which is definitely not so great it's just she's a side character so i wouldn't i wouldn't let that keep people from reading the series unless they are just 100 percent done with that in general at which point yeah you'll probably want to avoid this yeah yeah there was a good uh, answer man recently on perceptions of weight in japanese culture Mm-mm, yeah there was oh i yes. think i read that so it could just be like cultural differences but that doesn't not so like Arakawa wrote this way because yeah. she is culturally against fat people. Yeah. <laughs> Not because she is personally against fat people. But, you know, culturally she has to be against fat people. So. Oh, no. no. Oh, gosh. We better stop this sinking ship before it goes further. <laughs> I just wish they treated her character a little bit better. How about that? She could, she could definitely be expanded beyond being a joke. So yeah. maybe they'll expand her a little bit more, but we'll have to see in some of the later volumes. She well, she like, definitely has definite goals and plans for how to reach her goals, so... She seems like one of the smarter characters as well. Oh, yeah, she's definitely one of the smarter characters. You all remember what she wanted to do in the beginning? All the kids stand up and say what they wanted. What did she want to do? I just I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, I remember it comes up... 
yeah, it comes up later in the story, but she like wants to manage her family's farm, which is pretty large and continue to grow it. So she's always really interested in like new farming oh, techniques okay. yeah. and stuff like that. And her her brother is all for like free range uh, organic stuff, oh. and then she's like, no, you have to mass produce everything because there's it's not enough time or money to spend on doing everything organically. Yeah, he's the hippie in the family. Yep. <laughs> so if anyone wants to tell us their feelings on orange silver spoon. Or even tell us a series that you would like us to talk about on the show. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Manga in Your Ears, and you can also find us under our individual handles on Twitter. You can find me at Wandering Dreamer, and where can we find you too? As if I don't already know. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Mangia, and just sort of tweeting about random stuff nowadays. You can find what me. What about you? You can find me on Twitter at Impassionate K. And I'm also on the podcast. It's not my fault. The OASG podcast is not popular. And I was on an episode of Otaku No Radio recently. I think it's going to drop soon about the eccentric family. So um, if you want to hear the youngest ever guest Otaku No Radio has ever had, um, it's probably me. So <laughs> go listen to that, guys. I was on there. Are you younger than me, Helen? Shoot, we're going to have to uh, coordinate this later and figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> have to compare birth certificates. Well, yeah. until then. See everyone in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye, guys.